What up, everybody? Let's go. Oasis podcast. (laughs) We should. We should straight up get. (laughs) We should have. We should up our editing. Just get a budget. Add all these sound effects. Oh, man, that'd be so dope. Get some features, just like some some people step on here, make their own noises. Live, live sound effect guy. <laughs> they just sit in the corner over there with that extra mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be epic. That's true. That'd be great. <clears throat> okay. So, funny. so welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Uh, we're excited to be here, and we got an awesome topic for you. We're going to talk about the Bible, because here's the thing. Before I even get into um, our pre-podcast topic... Every podcast we have on here, this is number 47, or I think maybe 48, I don't know for sure. But every podcast we have, we're talking about there's Bible in it. Every yeah. single one. I don't know if you could ever go, if you find one that doesn't have Bible in it, talk to us and we'll redo we quit. it. We'll redo it. <laughs> but every single one has the Bible in it. We maybe have not said the references of scriptures, but we have said scripture. Yeah. Oh, I'll okay. say that. The only one I can think of is maybe the Enneagram one. I think no, we did. No, 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 we did. Yeah, because okay. yeah, it was all about holistic right. discipleship and knowing yeah. yourself. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm pretty I confident in this. I okay, right. I trust you. And here's the thing: if you're going to listen to this podcast, if you're going to, I mean, try and grow and learn from this, you kind of have to respect the Bible. Like you got to yeah. know what it is and why we use it so heavily. So that's what this podcast is about. It's all about the authority of Scripture, um, why we, why it, why it is what it is, why we believe it is what it is, all these different things, and what it means for us as believers. But before we get there, I need to ask you guys to tell me a quick, succinct, not too crazy long. He, he looked right at me when he said "quick." I just need to. I need everyone to know that. <laughs> you get a couple of minutes, but tell. A story of when you were maybe pre-Jesus or pre-like really following Jesus, like fully s- surrendered, where you maybe had an authoritative mishap, where there was a something of authority and you just were not following it. Yeah, last week I sped. <laughs> <laughs> that was pre-Jesus. <laughs> last week. <laughs> well, welcome to the family of Christ, Ben. I've, I've repented and confessed just now he to all hundred and some people. I backslid. <laughs> That's funny. That's so funny. Oh my. <laughs> okay. No, seriously. If I mean, you don't get speaking. that joke, that's probably good. You're that, not yeah. as churched as that's some of us. Yeah. But that's good. yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Tell a story. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I got arrested when I was a junior in high school for stealing money from a job. So <laughs> that was very pre-Jesus, very I knew it was wrong, did it anyway. Done. Yikes. Yeah. I'm not gonna ask you what you use the money for, because don't really want to know not good <laughs> <laughs> got caught got out of it yeah okay you want me to tell a story you said just quickly you get like I can't just like give us so, the, answer the question man. you got out of it yeah nice i had to do some it was enough money to actually be classed as like a class i don't know if it's a class one i don't know what's worse class one or class three misdemeanor whichever one of those is worse probably one either. my assumption would be but because my dad knew some peeps in town he got it moved down and we just had to pay back what they had recorded me stealing which was probably less than i actually did and then i'd do like 20 hours of and i service. never got caught <laughs> thanks thanks president mike there. that's good so yeah it's not great don't feel great about it but god's good yeah grace jesus forgive grace Amen. upon you i've been redeemed. i'm going next yep go all right it. um so in high school uh like most high schoolers i had a curfew right 
parents set a curfew so this is when you need to be home and i would go out with my friends or to my boyfriend's house or whatever oh yeah and i was really bad about actually leaving on time to make it home for curfew <laughs> and i lived out in the country so it was at least a 20 minute drive Rough. but my hometown also used to be a train uh station like hub so we always have a ton of trains and like you wait for a long time like, oh, okay like five minutes sometimes like when i get stopped at a train here i'm like oh man and then it's like Oh, there were six cars. Awesome. <laughs> Let's go. This was like you would wait for a long time. And so anytime I was running late and I knew I was going to be like a minute or two, I would just text me like, hey, I got stuck by a train, but on my way. <laughs> Most of the time I wasn't stuck by Aww. a train. So I don't know if my parents still listen to the podcast, but uh, sorry if you didn't know that. <laughs> okay. What was curfew? I just want to know. Um, I feel like it was midnight. Oh, that's pretty good. When this I was generous. Like a junior and senior. Yeah. That's wow. generous. All right, sweet. I never care for you. <laughs> On the weekends, obviously. I, I didn't really either, so. Yeah. Either did Abby. Whoa. Yeah. No, because yeah. her dad came, brought, like, was like, we trust you until yeah. you don't earn our trust anymore. Mm. Crazy. All right, so I'll tell mine real quick. I was a seventh grader in middle school. Um, we were in a classroom, and we were doing, like, directed studies, or less like study hall, essentially, is what it was. And I was in there with probably 30 other people, and there was we, were the, we had the art teacher, and you guys remember when they had the the classroom dividers where they would pull out like the fake wall? It was like an accordion wall yeah. and it would divide the room in half. So this room was divided like that and her desk was on one side and my desk was on the other side of the room and there was this little fake door and that's how you went back and forth between the two. But she couldn't see me. So we were on the other side of the room and everybody was chatting it up because it's like, come on, I'm, I don't actually have a homework. Like, yeah. I'm 12. Who has a homework? <laughs> So what am I supposed to do with this half hour? So, of course, I was chatting up with my friends, and she came over, and she was so hot. She, like, hot like mad. Like, <laughs> she was so... Thank you for the clarity. Well, I saw you guys' eyes. You were, you were thinking I was hitting on the teacher. No, she was mad. So she came over, and she's like, you guys are going to be quiet right now. She, she left. We weren't. She came back again, and she was, again, so mad. She left, and she came back a third time, and she said, if the next noise I hear from over here, that person's getting sent to, like detention or like ISSs or like timeout is what we called it but it, you went to the ISS room and so she turned around and she walked back out the false door and the second she hit the other side of classroom where I knew she couldn't hit, hear me I made the world's largest farting noise just absolutely <laughs> let it go and uh she sprinted I hadn't seen her move that quick the whole time we'd been in that classroom sprint back to the other side of the room started investigating one of the other kids no. almost sent that kid out of Come the room to, and I stood up and I said I'll take this one that was me so really I wasn't I wasn't respecting her and her authority but I stood up when it mattered she did own it. <laughs> and she said because I owned it she cut my punishment down a little bit so that's what's up wow <laughs> That's that funny. is funny. Classic True. middle school fart, fart oh, joke. Everybody in my side of the room lost oh, it. I was yeah. the king for like five minutes. <laughs> no, All right. No. Farts will do that for you. Farts will do that for you. <laughs> okay, so now we're back into it. We're back to the topic. And we're speaking about authority. But before we do that, what does authority even mean? Yeah, I think we have notions of what authority means based off of like the worldview of authority, but even just biblical authority, that idea of okay because God is who he is. Authority is the freedom to decide or right to act without hindrance. And so if that's our definition of authority, the reality is then the only one who could really do that is God. 
He's the only one with the right and freedom to act without hindrance. And then there's reality as you go through scripture where like Jesus was given authority to forgive sins, to drive out spirits. And then he gave the, the disciples authority to do the same. And so it's a, a ability to complete an action. Another aspects of authority in scripture are almost an authorization to perform. And then there's the reality of what we know from a world view, whatever, from the world's perspective is civil governments put in place to act on behalf or in authority to protect and help ideally serve people and help people well and, and help us out live. And so the reality is just like, when we talk about authority, we mean the reality that just God's the only one who has all authority. And so we'll get into a little bit of what that means for us. But in the all examples, right. all three of us just use, we don't use authority kind of no, like that. Not at all. You know, so yeah. what, what makes, what's that authority then? Like where, where you are not, where you're stealing and you're not, not representing that authority. Yeah, I think there's some, I think it's a combination of recognition because God has all authority. So even in Romans 13, 1, like we're supposed to have this reality of ex, um, accepting responsibility from authorities and governments put in place because no thing that's been put in place has, has been put in place without the even knowledge or power and authority from God. Mm-hmm. So he's established these things. Um, and then there's man-made structures of authority where we think we want to use the ability to control certain aspects of life or people or think we know what's right. Mm-hmm. And so like, I mean, in, in those examples that we gave, like, yeah, I shouldn't have stolen money because it was the wrong thing to do. So that authority was good authority to help us know how to, like, how do we live in community and in life with one another mm-hmm. just as humans to protect each other ideally. Mm-hmm. So it seems like there's almost like there's God's authority and then there's like worldly authority. So your bosses, your parents, um, wherever, like someone has a say over what you do, essentially. Yeah. And the weird part about the Bible is it kind of sits in the middle. That's good. Right? Yeah. I mean, it sits in the middle because of what we'll, we'll talk about here in a second, but the it, maybe I'll just do it right now. It sits in the middle because God has given it authority yes. in the same way that... God gave Jesus authority in the same way Jesus gave the apostles authority. He's bestowed that upon the scripture. He's made it holy. He's set it apart. And in that, because it's holy, it now and it's and it's um, has this authority. It goes to the other side and says, "Okay, now we have to s- submit to it." In some senses, like you just said from Romans thirteen, like the way you'd submit to your boss that you have to do what they say. Mm-hmm. Like scripture holds some of that. Yeah, so, to a higher extent because it's ultimately from the Father. Yep, from yeah, God. exactly. Yeah. And in that, the Bible has some, I mean, not even some, the Bible dictates how we live. Should. Should. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I am who it says I am. God is who he says it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, where, where are we pulling that idea from? Like, where do we even think that the Bible is ordained by God? Yeah. We get that from 2 Timothy um, chapter 3, verses, in six, verses 16 and 17. Um, and I'll just read them. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, so right there, there's a pretty clear, this scripture has authority because God has given it um, for the purpose of building us up. Um, but you can look at other scriptures as well. Yeah, and I think, and that yeah, that's so good. So even at the end of there, the servant of God may be equipped for every good work. So there's a mm-hmm. recognition, okay, God has asked us and called us to do something. Scripture even, Scripture tells us that Scripture helps us do the thing that God has called us to do, which is weird <laughs> to use Scripture to define how we should view Scripture, yeah. but I think also God knows what he's doing because he's God. But what I love is, is Roman, and, and Paul's brilliant, which means ultimately actually God's brilliant because <laughs> these are his words. But Romans 15, 4 says, 
Uh, I'm going to read the NIV version. It says, for everything that was written in the past, which like what he's talking there referring to is the Old Testament scripture. Written in the past was written to teach us. So there's an important aspect, teach us a lot of different things, which is what even 2 Timothy just talked about. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, Old Testament, and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. The whole idea of scripture being told to us, especially the, the story of the Old Testament of God's desire to redeem all of humanity is supposed to teach us, encourage us so that we would have hope. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that, that is brought in the climax of Jesus in the New Testament that's given through the whole, to the apostles through the power of the Holy Spirit and then ultimately in the, even in the early church of how to live, what we're supposed to do. And this whole idea of, of scripture being used to point to a hope which we know ultimately is the risen Jesus. Yeah. And it's just God's story to us to help us understand like he is redeeming the world and desires to bring the world back to him. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's beautiful. A question off of that is, okay, so if we're looking at the Bible and we're saying it has authority and we say it has this relationship and uh, and it's being ordained or all these other words we'll use to talk about it, but what makes the Bible and what gives it that authority, like if we're going to lay it out in a couple points, that's different than the Christian novel I find at the bookstore or like the book my that famous pastor wrote that I really like to, to watch his YouTube videos. Like what's the difference between these types of books? They're both trying to teach me how to live. But we're saying one has authority and the other maybe doesn't? What do yeah, you think there? I mean, ultimately, it's it's the reality because of what Scripture tells us, because of how the early church has looked at the Bible and Scripture as a whole from Old Testament to New Testament, is that these are specifically God's words to his people. Mm-hmm. Spirit-filled. The writers who wrote these letters were Spirit-filled, so Holy Spirit-filled to be able to write and I'm not, I don't like using the word timeless. I just don't because we're not like, as humans, we're not timeless people. Mm-hmm. God is timeless, right? The Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, we're not timeless people. So I don't like looking at the Bible as timeless. I look at, I like seeing it as intentional. Mm-hmm. And it's literally, again, God's story, his words to us to ultimately help us remember the important thing is here, like pointing us back to him what he's done throughout history and what he's doing now, helping us, teaching us like, okay, like I read this story and, and, and either I can go to old Testament or the acts and say, man, okay, I've struggled with, with pride. I've struggled with, um, wanting to live like selfishly, like David lived. And I read a story and say, okay, here are the consequences of some of those actions. It's not to like, here's a set of rules that you need to have to know how to live well. It's like, no, like my purpose and plan for you is so much bigger. And so we see and read these stories to know like, oh man, it gives us, yes, examples, but encouragement to ultimately then point us to, yes, in our fallenness, we have a hope in Jesus who is the risen Savior, King, and Messiah. And so it's literally his words, spirit-filled, holy, set apart to point us back to him. Let's go. <laughs> That's kind of dope. I mean, if we're, gonna, if we're claiming and yeah. believing the things we're saying, we're believing that this one book above all other books is God's word to us divinely written through people across generations and times and continents and and who knows hopefully for i mean depending on what you believe about when jesus is coming back like until he comes back it'll be this beautiful thing this uh, this uh, text that he's given us mm-hmm. i love a quote by john wesley where really he and i'll butcher the quote so i'll say it's a paraphrase <laughs> quote but he, he called himself a man of one book and in that people are always kind of struck where it's like oh man john wesley only read one book it's like, no, John, he read plenty of books. I promise you that. 
but in that he saw the the Bible as so much greater, more authoritative for his life. He saw it as so much higher and above any other written piece of work in all of human history. Yeah. So in that, he would say that if there was any book he could ever have for the rest of his life, give him the Bible and the Bible only. He yeah. was the man of one book, and he held it at such high regard. And in that, that calls us to something too. Yeah. His, yeah. his example, and I mean, what the Bible is, calls us to something. So how do we respond to that? Yeah, um, obvious answer. <laughs> Read it. <laughs> Whoa! You're telling me I need to... It's kind of hard to read, though. You allowed to be the easiest softball ever. <laughs> but read it and and look at it for what it is. It's not just a, a book of how to live life, but um, it's something that should form um, how we live, that we can form our lives around the story of God. Um, and, yeah, just step into that good things that God has for us. So good. And I think even go back to the Wesley... Wesley's view on it is, and I don't want, I don't want to lose this whole, I'll probably repeat it way more than I should, but he viewed scripture as authoritative in his life because he viewed God as needing to be the ultimate primary voice in his life. Mm-hmm. So the only reason scripture has authority is because we believe God has given it authority. God has made it for us to be able to, again, point us back to his story, which is what Jana just said. It's not just a, li- a list of rules and regulations of here's how to live. Here's what you need to do. Literally 70, like Eight is seventy five or seventy eight percent of the Bible is narrative. Mm-hmm. It's story to point us back. Like it's God's story of the redemption of the world. Mm-hmm. That's huge, and that's how we should read it. I, I just well, the art building is falling apart. Just in case <laughs> those noises, you I hear. probably can't hear it. Right? Okay, never Hopefully. mind. Then. And so just yeah, I just I think reading it as a as that reality of God's story that we're invited have been invited into. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that something that was said in there. I feel like sometimes we treat the Bible as just like, it's another one of those how-to books, yeah. but it's like how to live life. Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking to, to date or I'm looking to get a job or a career, like I'm getting on Google and what does the Bible have to say about dating? or what is, And we're, we're treating it like a how-to book, but it's not really supposed to be that. Yeah, it's so much more. It's so much more mm-hmm. than that. And I love that narrative idea you told because in that, there, if you just look at people, we're drawn to story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, what attracts you as a person? Like, why is Netflix and binging and like all these <laughs> yeah. th- super good? Like, we're people who are drawn to narrative. Yeah. We we are storytelling, story like engaged people, and that's because our God has made made us like that. Mm-hmm. He's crafted us in our in that way, and by His grace, He has given us His story, yeah. and we get to hold it in our hands. And the teachings and the people, it, it, the the real people that existed in this book, like we can live like and we can learn from, yep. which is beautiful. Super good. However, oh, <laughs> not everybody sees the Bible this way. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we we three sit around the table, and it's easy for us because we're like, the Bible is like incredible. It's this book we love. We we base our lives around its teachings and what it teaches us. But like, there's people you'll engage constantly throughout the day who don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. So if we we're gonna ba- break these two people, two groups of people into different categories, <laughs> <laughs> and the first one would be like, okay, so non Christians. People who don't believe in Jesus, most of them are not going to see the Bible as authoritative for their life. And we shouldn't expect them to, Yeah, which we do. You know, like if they don't believe in Jesus, why would they read the book that says Jesus is God? Yeah. So in that, they're probably just going to claim it's a normal book. Yeah. It's Christian propaganda. It's a bunch of people put it together for the sake of spreading a religion and making themselves, whatever excuse or whatever Mm -hmm. they'll use. Yeah. How do we respond to people like that? who don't necessarily understand what we think the Bible is. 
Yeah, I mean, we would say that, and and we talked a little bit about this, and we I think it was it was that ask us anything uh, sermon series. Yeah, yeah. I right, we so. talked about yeah. just the reliability of scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from a non like if I'm talking to a, a person who doesn't believe in Jesus, who doesn't see scripture as authoritative, and why it's different than just any other type of book is there's a reality that it's one book put together, which is actually 66 different letters or what we could say is books with over 40 authors across thousands of years from different continents with one unifying story. Mm-hmm. Like that is huge. Yeah. That is such a, like, so even the factual ideas of how the Bible is brought together of the story that it tells, and it's the same story. There's nothing within it that, that is um, different. Um, what's the word? Contradicts. Thank you. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing within that that contradicts itself. Mm-hmm. And that's like impossible in reality to have yeah. that many authors who didn't know each other for thousands of years telling the same story, God's story, which tells us, and there's where faith comes into play a little bit. So this is as a follower of Jesus. It's okay. I have to believe that something was behind this Mm -hmm. to make it just so coincide together. Well, I mean, okay. So if we're going to break that apart just for a second here, like what we just said is that this is one book, one giant story from Genesis to Revelation that tells the story of God and his people. And in that there's a unifying thread that's completely seamless throughout the whole thing. It's across continents, it's across cultures, it's across thousands of years, different authors, different people. And just think about this for a second. Think about the story of Christmas and Santa Claus, okay? Just for a second, whether you believe Santa's real or not, (laughs) Santa Claus in almost every culture and in every continent is told in a different way, in a different light. Like you can look up some of the, the histories of Europe or some of the Asian histories of who they believe Santa Claus is and some of these different things. Like it is incredible how across time the narrative has shifted. Mm. People have changed it and adapted it to their own people group and their own set of beliefs. And even the whole backstory of who Saint Nick is changes depending on where you're at. Mm-hmm. Scripture doesn't do that. Yeah. In some ways, it molds to the culture, which is a beautiful part of Scripture, that like the way Jesus is worshipped and praised in Africa is not the same as here in America. In, in some senses, you can find places that are similar, but for the most part, it's not. It's different. That's the beauty of Scripture in Christianity, is that it can mold to cultures. Yeah. But in it all, the history, the backstory, who God is and who Jesus is does not change. And that's beautiful. That's incredible. That's unlike pretty much anything else. So. Yeah. Otherwise, is there other things? Okay, so someone non-Christian doesn't believe in the Bible for what we think the Bible. They don't think it's like a fiction, like a made-up book. Like, Bibles don't exist. But <laughs> they don't believe it is what we say it is. What else do you do? I mean... Honestly, because we believe the Bible gives us sufficiency for the message of salvation for all people, it's I'm not ever going to actually like quote a verse to a non-Christian. What am I going to do is I'm going to know scripture. So I like if I believe it's an authoritative voice in my life, I'm going to read it, which is what Jane said. And because I'm going to read it, I'm going to know, okay, here's what the gospel is, right? And so if I know what the gospel is, I'm able to use, again, what I know of what God says is the gospel through his word to be able to share that with non-believers. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can sit down and use, like, here's a scripture of Romans 3.23. They don't care. Yeah, It's not an authoritative voice in their life, so I shouldn't mm-hmm. expect them to, like, look at this verse. Like, what it means for me is not the same what it means for me, and that's okay. And so it's, 
Yes, I want to share the gospel because what's beautiful and why the Bible is even relevant for us today is it still answers all of life's questions mm. of identity, of purpose, and of meaning, mm-hmm. which everyone, Christian or non, is asking those questions. Mm-hmm. And the Bible has those answers, which ultimately means God has those answers mm-hmm. he's given us mm-hmm. uh, through his word. And I think people, I've got two thoughts on that. First, people will misuse what you just said and say that, oh, the Bible teaches on everything. And they'll be like, the Bible doesn't say anything about dating. No, it doesn't. But it has a lot of things about relationships yes. and how we treat people and how we interact and That's how good. we're supposed to love one another that applies to dating. Yeah. Like the Bible doesn't say anything about, I mean, it doesn't it hardly speaks about parenthood. Yeah. You know, how you should interact as a parent, how you should, I mean, it's a little bit. Yeah, Ephesians but, a little bit, but. But barely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's like one of the main primary, like, relationships people have nowadays yes. is relationships between parents and kids. Yep. But it teaches all these things that could play into that. Yes. And second, you're telling me I got to get off Twitter and stop tweeting at all <laughs> these people my Bible verses? Listen, I do, I've they deleted just most need of my to, social media. They need to get in my bio. They'll see I got John 3.16. <laughs> They'll know my heart. And then when I tweet at them... All of these Bible verses, just comment after comment, thousands of tweets, just letting them know what Scripture says about their opinions. In my They'll exp- get it. In my experience, Brennan, <laughs> um, most likely the majority of people who follow you on Twitter, uh, and, and not you, Brennan, but in general, who follow people on Twitter, if they're non-believers and they see a passage of Scripture in your bio, anything you tweet about, they don't care. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like, even if you have great stuff to say about injustice, about what's going on in the world. Even if you like, you have really good stuff. If they just catch that there's a scripture passage mm-hmm. in your bio for some reason, that just it's a it trigger. But they'll get it when I tweet back at their tweet. You're the worst. And make sure that they see <laughs> that they were made in the image of God or that they're going to hell. You know, when I tell them, when I show them the Bible verse that they're going to hell, they're yep. gonna get it. Please don't do that. <laughs> just not over all our people. I don't even have Twitter. Please but don't. I know some people out there with their Twitter fingers going nuts yeah. with the scriptures. Facebook is yeah. horrid. Oh, Twitter so is bad. A, Twitter is a cesspool. That's what I'm just going to say. <laughs> it is. It's where I get probably, at least for sure, used to where I get the majority of my news. Just because mm. there's a ton of info on there. But people are so mean. Oh, so mm. mean. People are so mean. Anyway. Anyways, so. back but here's, to it. Here's what's cool. I'm okay. just going to say okay. this. I don't know. There there are stories of people who have tried to prove the Bible as inconsistent and there being contradictions that have given their life to Jesus because I think they approach it as reading it as God's, not, not even reading it as God's story, but as they read, they read it as a narrative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They read it in a way where it's like, and God did a move because that's what that's God what does. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I don't know, it's, it can be a really beautiful thing, but as soon as we start forcing stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, we get All in right. trouble. Yeah. So dope. Okay. Here's the second group of people. We've done, we've talked about non-Christians and we've done a little bit of that, but now we're going to get into the second group of people. So it's people who are Christians. Oh. <laughs> are you booing just Christians? Myself. Oh. I just booed myself. <laughs> I'm still confused, but I'm going to move on. All right. Listen, we as Christians can, can suck. We oh, sometimes oh, suck. Okay. That's what I was getting That's at. what you were getting at. And, we'll, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I thought you just all of a sudden were a Christian hater. <laughs> yeah. Ben, we're gonna have to talk. <laughs> All right, listen, He's Christian. The Christian, the initial, and you know this. The initial idea of Christian, where it came from, was an insult to earlier followers. Yeah, of oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In Antioch, great, great stuff. Antioch. Read up on Acts. <laughs> Speaking the of the Bible. <laughs> so Christians are a second group of people we're going to talk about here, and not all Christians read the Bible. Period. What? Or. They don't read it as authoritative as in the sense that it can speak into their life mm-hmm. and it should speak into their life and their life should be formed around their teaching of, of what it teaches. So wh- where do we, 
I mean, where do we even begin to have conversations with our brothers and sisters who claim to follow Jesus, but claim the Bible is outdated? They claim it's inapplicable. They claim it's old. They claim it's racist, sexist, <laughs> homophobic. I mean, they're... Amen. Could I go on? These you pe- could go on, I actually, mean, probably. So it's like, where do we even begin to have a conversation there where it's like, oh, man, you're talking about God's word and you're defaming it, yeah. slandering it. So yep. where, do, where do we go? Here? I mean, we, we're going to, with Christians, I think it's fair to start with scripture, hmm. right? I think it's fair to start with like, okay, we believe, let, let's and let's have a conversation, yeah. right? It's starting with this idea of like, okay, why do you not believe that is potentially God's authoritative voice for us, God's story to us? Um, in God's authority, ultimately, to help us point us back to him. And so, yeah, you can use scripture, but there's, I mean, you take 2 Timothy by itself. Should mm-hmm. should be at least some aspect to help us point to, like, here's why this is important. Deuteronomy, on the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 12, see that you do all I command you, do not add to it or take away from it. And so mm-hmm. that is contextually talking about the first five books of the Bible yeah. when, when he says that. But what's awesome is because... Jesus, uh, he's asked, <clears throat> what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love God. And like your greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And in all, in those two commandments, he says, uh, all the other Old Testament commandments are wrapped up in those two. And so like that includes this Deuteronomy once where it says, do all I command you, do not add to it or take away from it. Jesus would say, here's what that looks like. Mm-hmm. How are you loving God with everything holistically that you are? And in that also loving your neighbor as yourself with everything that you are holistically. And so in that by itself, it's like that's using scripture to help point us to, okay, how is God desiring for us to live and move and breathe? That's so good. Another quote of Jesus, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. That's good. I mean, he's not come to get rid of everything that the Bible teaches, but to bring fulfillment to everything that the Bible teaches. So now in light of him, empowered by his spirit, we can also follow in his footsteps trying to fulfill the law. It's beautiful. What about like... The other couple of texts that we got here. What do you guys think about those? Yeah. Uh, Brendan, you do the Revelation. I want to make you. Make you <laughs> okay. I'll dive back in here. So, Revelation 22, 18 to 19. Um, John, <laughs> Revelation is interesting, to say the least, but still beautiful. Um, so, John has had these visions, and he's talking to this group of people, and he's, he's relaying his visions. And he says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, so essentially what he's writing, if, any, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to the person the plagues described in this scroll, which I don't need to sum it up for you. Not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, if anyone takes away from the words of the prophecy of this scroll, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll, scroll which is the idea of, I mean, if you're going to not live by what John is saying here, then God has the right to relinquish heaven from you, which again, this is aggressive in the sense, and it's hyperbolic again. I think it's a teaching that um, doesn't go contrary, contrary to Jesus. John would still absolutely, through any of his other three, four books that he wrote, you'll see that he's absolutely grace, um, faith-based in his salvation yep. and the way he teaches. But here is an emphasis just on what he's written, but I think it speaks prophetically also back to the whole of Scripture, that by its inclusion in what, what's happening here, John, the same way Jesus has affirmed everything that's been written in Scripture, they're saying that these are so important. We're not allowed to a- add anything. We're not allowed to take anything out, but rather we need to take the Word of God as it is. We need to take the Word of God in the beauty of it and, and live by it. So that's what I would think Revelation 22 is talking about. In a quick gist. Yeah, that's good. Super good. Otherwise, and, someone's got to crush the Hebrews one, because this one is baller. 
Yeah, so Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews is one of my favorite books, but Hebrews 4.12 Probably says... Probably written by a woman. Let's go. <laughs> that's not why, but... <laughs> that's, it's, I, good, I just it's a good it. fact. <laughs> uh, so it says, uh, verse 12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Um, yeah, that's so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. It's yeah. the word of God. Yeah, it's alive. Alive? And active. And, and a weapon of warfare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so literally can destroy anything material and immaterial. Yeah. So everything within our person, it, this is literally saying that everything who we are holistically, as a person, the word of God penetrates, helps us prioritize, mm-hmm. helps yeah. us see what's within us that needs to be killed. As a weapon of warfare, mm-hmm. which is I mean, aggressive. Yeah. Whoops. And here's where I want to end this little little bit of conversation on the Christian who doesn't believe in the authority of the Bible. If they don't believe it's the word of God, if they don't believe it's God ordained, God spoke, I would ask them, how do you follow Jesus without it? In a yeah. sense, we believe, I mean, and you can argue that it wasn't canonized, didn't put it completely together till the fourth century. It was the early church who put it together. They picked it. Okay, we can have that conversation. And again, that's a whole another podcast. And a whole another podcast is we're not talking interpretation of scripture. Yeah. So I'm talking about the authority yes. of scripture. Yep. But if you don't believe the authority of scripture and you don't see it as a holy book of God, how do you know who Jesus is? Yeah. How yeah. do you know what he did? Yeah. How do you know who God is? What his characteristics are? How do you know who you are? How do you know what you're called to do? How do you know what the church is? How do you know the history of all people? Like without the Bible, without the written word of God, we lose answers, valuable answers, the answers that matter most in life. And we need the scripture. We need God's word on paper and for us to to walk through. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think it is darn near impossible to follow Mm -hmm. Jesus without the word of God. Yeah. Yeah, which even goes to the reality of what Paul said in Romans. The scripture was given to teach, to encourage, to point us to hope. If we mm-hmm. don't have the scripture, we don't have hope because we don't see the reality of Jesus' resurrection yeah. and that he's coming back mm-hmm. to judge the living and the dead. Yeah. And we are part of the living and a part of the kingdom of God. Okay, finish with your... Yeah, so I got a, I got a couple of quotes just from N.T. Wright who talks about this idea of... And this is from an article that he wrote about the authority of scripture. And he talks about, okay, what is scripture and what it, is the ultimate goal of what it should be pointing us to and helping us in. So it says, <clears throat> Scripture is the book that assures us that we are the people of God when again and again we are tempted to doubt. So even right there, it's we read Scripture to be reminded, okay, who does God say I am? He also says, Scripture is the covenant book through which the Spirit assures us that we are His people and through which He sends us out into the world to tell the Jesus story, which together is God's story for the world. So the Bible in and of itself, is God's story of redemption for the entire world. He says it's the story which confirms the fact that God had redeemed the world in Jesus Christ. It is the story which breaks open all other worldviews and by doing so invites men and women, young and old, to see his story as their story. In other words, as we let the Bible be the Bible, God works through us and it to do what he intends to do in and for the church and the world. So good. And that's it. And that's where we're going to end because, I mean, you don't need to necessarily believe us, but you need to believe if you're a Christian what Scripture says about itself because it teaches that it's God's Word. Yeah. And it's so weird, like Ben said, that Scripture <laughs> teaches about itself, but 
if you're struggling to believe scripture as what it is, pray and ask God for clarity in it. Hmm. Our father is faithful to give good gifts to his children. If you truly and earnestly want to know what scripture actually is, God will reveal it to you. He will grace you with that, but you need to want it. You got to want to believe it. You can't just hear it from us. You can't just pick it up and read it like a normal book. You got to start to dive into God, to God, to his presence and who he is. So, yeah. And a fair warning real quick, and I should have said this earlier, but we don't use scripture to go against what scripture tells us to do. And here's what I mean by that. Christians, for us, we tend to have a tendency to worship the Bible. And Mm -hmm. in that we will use scripture to rebuke in a way that is actually not loving God or loving people. So yeah. like if you're using scripture in a way that actually goes against the greatest commandment and you're not loving people well, you probably have not a great actually authority of view of authority of scripture and authority yeah. of God in your Woo. life. So. Shut it down, turn but, it off. Hey, love you guys. That's uh, it. Glad love you guys. <laughs> go read your Bibles. Go <laughs> learn about who Jesus is, who God is, and who they say that you are, and then let your life be changed by the word of God. Amen. Let's go. Bye. 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 Bye.